After a dramatic and violent book of Judges, we have a little bit of peace in this book of Ruth. A book in which in the first chapter, a woman loses her husband and her two sons. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, this is Brandon, and we are pastors at Gospel Community Church here in Santa Cruz, California. Welcome, and I just want to remind you guys to like, subscribe, comment, so we can get the word out there. Um, welcome. Yeah? How are you doing, t- man? Oh, you I'm... Lo- living that baby life? Oh, love the baby life. The baby life yeah. is great. Two kids. One is 16 months. Okay. The other is um, just under two months. It's great. No, you're not tired at all? Not at all. Feeling always great. tired. You're yeah. always tired as a young parent. Yeah. So. But when when have you not been tired in your life? Um, like when you were like eight, maybe? Yeah. Well, no. I think, yeah. No, never not been tired. Yeah. No, yeah. it hasn't, hasn't happened. And it, so. you, you progressively get more tired, you know, as you get older, and it doesn't get easier. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you're looking good. Looking how's, how's dad life for you? Oh, you know, it's great. It's great. Loving it. Yeah, you have three, so it's a yeah, little bit it's all harder. The same, dude. But okay. we don't do that much work, you know, because you know, no. it's, it's all, the moms. It's all our wives, yeah, yeah they're yeah. great. They're great. So, yeah. Well, God uh, bless wives, right? Yeah. No. God bless them. Let's 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 review the uh, the where, where we've been a little bit. Oh. So as you mentioned, we just got out of this dramatic and bloody book of Judges. It's a good book, though. It is a great book. I mean, it's great. And Joshua is also bloody. And we said that ju- Judges is kind of Moses's I told or Joshua's I told you so moment. Right. It's also Moses's I told you so moment. Right. Because right. they both said in their lives, "You're going to be unfaithful. You're going to be terrible. Sure you're enough. sinful. Your heart hasn't been uh, circumcised, changed by God." And so, sure enough, they're right. And in Judges, everything falls apart, mm. and it goes from bad to worse, and we see these ungodly leaders uh, culminating really in Samson, right. who is chasing after whatever his eye sees, and we have this refrain through the book, right, mm-hmm. of in those days, there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And Samson's the epitome of that, and at the end of the book, we have this steady uh, downward spiral <laughs> kind of speeding up. We see these different stories um, fo- focused around Bethlehem mm-hmm. and around uh, Gibeah and Be- the, the tribe of Benjamin, all these things that will be important for the book of, Sa- of Samuel and the book of Ruth. Right. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, we ended with that. Was we've seen jo- uh, Jonathan, uh, Moses' grandson, is uh, engaging in idolatry and leading others yeah, into idolatry. They've, they've, Israel's become just, just like the land in which they were supposed to conquer, just like the people they were supposed to conquer, right? Yeah, Idolaters. Judges 19 is just like Genesis 19, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Israel has become like Sodom and Gomorrah. Bummer. It's, it's really bad. It's really bad. So we need a moment of peace in the midst of this storm. And Ruth. And so Ruth comes in like a shining light, right? And what we've seen throughout the book of Judges, I didn't really focus on this too much, but we've seen that there's a need for a king, and this is being drawn out again and again. Mm-hmm. There's hints that they're wanting a king. We see this actually in going back to, to Judges real quick. We see this with the story of Gideon in, in chapter Judges 8.22. They actually ask Gideon to rule over them. Uh, yeah. So Israel already is showing that they want a king. Gideon's not a great dude. We saw that in the story, right? But they right. want a king, and he declines in the next verse but then he has a son named Abimelech mm. who doesn't decline. He actually becomes king. And his name, Abimelech, means my father is king. Mm. So there's there's <laughs> hints that there's something concerning going on here. Right? When you name someone something, it's because it's important. And so Gideon, for some reason, named his kid my father's king. That mm. seems to indicate something about where we're headed. 
we see more in the in the book of chapter 10. We actually see a couple of accounts in, in Judges 10, 4 and Judges 12, 14. We see mention of judges that had sons or grandsons that rode on donkeys. Oh, and it's, yeah. it's, a, it's yeah. a repeated thing. It's really weird. Like, why is there all this talk about donkeys? Well, most people would think of a donkey as, a, as just a humble beast, not, not that important. But really, a donkey was actually something that royalty would ride on. Hmm. We see that actually um, Absalom rides on a mule. Um, when he's going into battle, which right. is a terrible idea, and ends up getting him <laughs> killed, but <laughs> that's a different story for a different time, I guess. But and then when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he comes in on a donkey. Right. So this is actually a this is a theme here, and so there seems to be these different people who want to put their children or themselves in a position of power and rule over Israel, and Israel is kind of wanting this. Right. And so there's and we saw that obviously that theme verse in Judges is that there's no king in Israel. So all this is leading to. Who's going to be the true the true king, mm-hmm. right? It's going to start with Saul, but it'll lead to David. Saul is really just a tool, uh, li- literarily speaking, to get us to David. Right. But first, we have this book of Ruth, right? Which actually um, happens. Well, well, we'll get into that in a little bit. But Ruth is a super important book before we get into the story of King David. Yeah, Ruth. Ruth is an interesting one. I mean, like, it's it's so funny because you go from like this big pulled out picture of judges, rulers over these the, the, this nation and these different peoples, and there's fighting and there's wars and stuff. And then, like, all of a sudden the storyline, like, narrows. It's like a magnifying glass, right? So it's, yeah. it, it's really, you know, if you're, like, following along in the Bible at this time, you notice something's different about this book as soon as we start. It's very personal. It's very intimate, right? It's almost like a normal life of someone, right? It reminds you much more of the stories of Abraham, mm-hmm. Joseph, in terms of, Focusing on one certain character mm-hmm. yeah. in the average everyday kind of stuff of life, yeah. Right. So, yeah, Ruth is a is a really powerful and beautiful little book in the Bible. Yeah. So, what's what's it all about? If we're going to get a, a big idea, well, so yeah, so Ruth Ruth shows us the the character of God. It shows us that God is a God is a merciful God, a God of redemption. Redemption is a big theme, yeah. theme in this book. We're, we see a God who works through tragedies and brings triumph to His people in the end. Hmm. So we see a lot about God. We also see, obviously, a huge focus at this point in the Bible is that God is bringing a king into the world. Right. So the book of Ruth, it, we don't really see what it's about until the very end of the book. Mm-hmm. The final verses, really the final word, shows us what the book is all about. Right. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful book. There's actually so much packed into a, a short little story. We, you could probably read this book, I, I would think, in less than 15 minutes. It's really short. Mm-hmm. It's four chapters, 85 verses, uh, less than 1,300 words. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very short, and it's, most of it's dialogue. Mm-hmm. 55 of the 85 verses are dialogue between right. the characters. So it kind of it reads like a play. Right. It reads like a play. And if it was a play, you could have really pretty much one set, which would be a field. Right. If you had a field, you could probably pretty much do the entire <laughs> play because all of it takes place in fields, fields of Moab, fields in Bethlehem. And ultimately, the, the redemption of a field right. for Ruth. So, it's 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 really a, a powerful and beautiful little story. I think. I mean, I'm always refreshed when I come to the Book of Ruth in the year long Bible reading because you're like, I don't know, just a good break from what you've been, the style of writing that you've been reading. So, yeah, yeah. But it, but it's intentionally placed in the context of the Book of Judges, right? Yeah, exactly. So the, so the first verse tells us when it takes place, right? In the days when the judges ruled the land. So, in, in this time of chaos and tragedy. We're going to see at the beginning more chaos and tragedy, as you alluded to, but we're going to see something very different, that God's mm. going to do something 
In other words, the biggest work that God's doing right now in this time in history is not through Samson. It's not through Gideon. It's not through these big heroes. It's through someone insignificant. Right. It's through Ruth, actually a no-name and a foreigner. So it's it really shows us what God's all about. Yeah, amen. And you know we've you know we we actually preached the Ruth recently at our church. So if you want to go online and check out those sermons, um, those are all available on our website, gospelcommunitysc.org. So I encourage you to check those out. Um, it was a fun series to preach through. Yeah, it was very uh, fun. Yeah. yeah. Did it kind of through shelter in place a little bit at the end was when we started meeting in person. Right, yeah. Yep. But but Ruth is also the only book in the Bible named after a non Hebrew person. Oh uh, yeah. So that's that's significant as well. Um, one of two books named after a woman. Yeah. But the only one named after an unknown believer. So this is gonna tie us back to God's purposes for the world, his redemption of all people. Grace. Yeah. So right. Awesome. So how's the book organized? We always talk about that, not you know, to be too pre- repetitive, but it's so helpful to understand how these books are structured. And so when you read them again or you're reading through them right now, you can really get an idea of what's going on and what's being taught, right? So how's it structured, this book? Yeah, so it's, I mean, really simply, it's just broken into basically four main acts mm-hmm. with an epilogue. So the, the, each act is just the four chapters. So chapter one is about, it kind of introduces the characters and the tragedy they're facing mm-hmm. and as Naomi is, is has lost everything <clears throat> and is telling her daughters-in-law to leave her, mm-hmm. and, and Ruth stays faithful to her. In chapter 2, we see the introduction of the third character, the third main character, who's Boaz. Mm. So Boaz love is that the Boaz. redeemer. Yeah, he's the redeemer. And we're going to learn a lot about dating in this book. Not really, but... Um, and would so you, we, Would so, you name a kid Boaz? No, it's a terrible name. I think it's kind of cool. All right. What are you going to call him for short? I'm just saying. Oh, um, baby. <laughs> um, chapter three, we see uh, Ruth's proposal. So she comes to Boaz with a pr- proposal of marriage. Are you still laughing about the? Yes. Like, yeah. That's um, <laughs> and then chapter four, we see the redemption of Ruth. So Boaz goes forward. He redeems her. They get married. And the epilogue is starts in, uh, well, it kind of starts in verse 13, but we could say 18 and 22, really. Right is the genealogy of King David. So that points us to this is why the entire book was written. So it's sort of the, so the epilogue. Yep. Um, so anyways, yeah, so let's, let's jump in. Let's jump into chapter one. So Naomi really is kind of the main character of the book of Ruth. Yeah, why is it called Ruth then, huh? Yeah, well, because she's the, she's the key figure. But it's really Naomi's story. I mean, right. so if you read the book, it starts and ends with Naomi. She's the end, she's the end caps for the book. Right is her losing everything and then her gaining at the end mm-hmm. a son. Um, through that, sh- her story is redeemed. Right. And it's redeemed through this, this figure of, well, through Ruth and through Boaz. But the, the book starts with her, and we see in the first couple verses that she's actually left the, the nation of Israel. So it says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, Mm-hmm. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. <clears throat> so uh, this is this is really concerning because this is the period of Judges. We know unfaithfulness is rampant. gone. Yeah, yeah, it's totally rampant. And so what's what's going on with these characters that they would leave the promised land? Right. Um, this is this is not a good sign. What's happening that they would have a famine? Well, we know that this is the cycle of judges, right? Mm-hmm. They disobey God. God punishes them. They turn back to God. So this is one of those times of punishment. And we see this in Leviticus 26 when we were reading those blessings and curses. In Leviticus 26, 18 to 20, the God says to them, if you don't listen to me, I will make your heavens like iron mm. and your earth like bronze. In other words, no rain will fall and your earth will be hard. Right. 
And and it says, And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield its increase, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. So these famines in their time was a direct sign of God's judgment on them. Hmm. A famine was a theological thing for them. They knew it was connected to God's blessing on the land. So for them not to have not to have crops, even a famine, shows that there's unfaithfulness. Right. And in fact, Bethlehem, the city they're in, which is massively important in the Bible, it means house of bread. Hmm. So if you're you're in a town that's called Breadbasket and you have no food, this is a this is a bad sign, right? The breadbasket is empty, and so they leave the land of Israel, which is also not yeah, you weren't allowed to do that. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. Obviously, you know the reason why there's no bread and no you know crops and no rain is because of unfaithfulness, and then you continue the cycle of unfaithfulness by leaving, by abandoning and going to not just anywhere, but going to Moab. <laughs> yeah. Moab is the if you remember in Genesis 19. Going back to the story of Lot again, uh, Moab was one of the incestuous sons of Lot. Mm. So he was, you know, who's my father? That's his name because he's, you know, Lot slept with his daughter. Terrible thing, right? So this is this is not a great place just because their origin. Mm-hmm. This is also the nation of Balaam and Balak, right? The the guys who tried to curse Israel, right, to defeat them, and then eventually Balaam brought in Baal worship and sexual sin at Baal Peor. Mm-hmm. In order to, you know, kind of get Israel off the rails, so to speak. I mean, this was he introduces Baal worship, which is just a, a huge burden for them for so long. And so, so, Naomi and her husband or Elimelech are going to a great place. In other words, yeah, they're going to <laughs> the, the best of the best. Yeah, no, this is terrible, right? And, it, and when we see in Deuteronomy twenty-three that actually, if you're a Moabite you can't enter the assembly of the Lord to the tenth generation mm. because of how how much they were the enemy of Israel. So to go to Moab is a terrible thing. Yeah. And we see that the guy's name, as you mentioned, is Elimelech, which is just Elimelech, my God is king. That's his name, my God is king, uh, which is an interesting name in light of the book of Judges, right. right? But by his actions, he's not showing that God is king. Right. He's showing that the God of Moab is king, that he mm. can go somewhere else and have prosperity. So he goes to greener pastures, literally. Right. Abandons the, the Holy Land. This is a big deal. And then we see that they had two sons, Malon and Kilion. Malon means sick. Kilion means frail. So these guys are doomed from the beginning. <laughs> I don't know. It's, 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 it's funny. I mean, the they were bound to die. The name meanings in the Old Testament are ridiculous. I'm, yeah. I'm just, it's pretty funny. If you name your kid that, you're just asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she ends up, Naomi ends up losing her sons. She loses her husband. I mean, she is... She is in the worst possible place. Now, her right. sons had married Moabite women, which shows just how far the apostasy had gone. Right. They, that's not also not allowed. You don't, you don't marry foreigners that haven't come into the faith. Right. If they've been converted, you can marry them if they've been through the process, right? But they, don't, they don't, didn't do that. Right. They're fully assimilating. And God brings a tragedy and eventually brings Naomi back to the promised land through mm-hmm. that tragedy. But you have to understand just how desperate Naomi is because she has... Now, no future, right? There's no Her line is cut off. She mm-hmm. will have no grandchildren. She has no sons. She has no family. She's alone in the world. Right. She has no income. Her husband's gone. Her sons, who would have been her social security check when she's old, right? right? I mean, you didn't have checks coming in the mail, so you had kids take care of, of their parents, and so right. she doesn't have that. So she's she has nothing. Well, except for something. Yes. Yeah, so, so in her eyes... Nothing, right? She has nothing. And so she she begins to have this conversation with her daughters-in-law, right? Orpah, 
and Ruth, mm-hmm. right? Um, named my, my daughter Lucy Ruth, right? So I would never name my daughter Lucy Orpa. That would be a terrible name. Um, and in fact, I, I think I told you this, but uh, Oprah was named after Orpa. Fun fact. Fun wow. fact. They okay. just misspelled. They didn't, didn't get the name right. But well, so know. aside from her, Providence checks no out. No one names them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no one names their kid Orpa though, and the reason is because of the difference in how these two respond. So, in in verses six to eighteen, what we see is this prolonged conversation between uh, Naomi and her daughters-in-law. And she's saying, "Turn back, turn back." And really, the, the key word here is return or turn. You keep hearing this word, return, turn. Right. The the word is really repent. Mm-hmm. So she's calling her her daughters-in-law to repent, to turn from following her, in order to return to. Uh, a, a nationality that's sinful, right? Uh, right. False worship, all those sorts of things. She doesn't care much about bringing them into relationship with the true God. Right. That's not really her focus at this point in her life. Survival, so probably more. Yeah, you know. yeah. She just and so she's telling them, "Hey, turn back." Um, and in verse sixteen, we have this you know famous speech from Ruth. She says, mm-hmm. "Do not urge me to leave you or return." That same word. Don't tell me to repent from following you. Don't tell me to turn back from doing the right thing. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Yeah. This is her moment of commitment, and Mm -hmm. really it's a commitment. She's committing first to Naomi, but through Naomi, she's committing to the God of Israel. Right. She doesn't understand the importance of what she's doing probably right now, but she's, she's going to in the long run. Right. She's committed to your God will be my God. That's that's the the main that's the focal point of that speech really. Mm-hmm. And so she goes back. But when Naomi comes back to her her homeland of Bethlehem, she's she changes her name. She says, "I'm no longer Naomi, which means pleasant. I'm Mara, which means bitter. Right. That's who I am. I'm a bitter person." And she's now defined herself by that. So. Um, it, is is she empty? Um, does she have nothing? Well, no. She, I mean, in her eyes, she is, but no, she has Ruth. Right. She has Ruth, and I love that. Even as as she calls herself Mara, calls herself bitter. God never calls her that. The the narrator ne- never calls her that. Yeah, Ruth doesn't. I don't believe. Ruth. Yeah, no yeah. one ever calls her that. So she's yeah. identifying herself that way. But God has a better plan for her. Yeah, amen. And for her story. So that's awesome. So chapter two, chapter, chapter two, two, baby. So chapter two, my boy, Bo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So in chapter two, we see as they're now in this town of Bethlehem, <clears throat> along comes a man named Boaz. And so we, we get to know the character of Boaz. We see he's a, verse one of chapter two, he's a worthy man. So he's a man of character. Mm-hmm. He's uh, a man of means, right? He's got he's got fields. And so Ruth is coming and gleaning in his fields. She's yep. picking up what the, the workers drop. It's a common thing they did. Yeah, and this was the only work that, you know, two women like this could do, you know. Yeah, Naomi's probably too old to go out and glean herself, so Ruth goes out, right? Yeah, it's un- un- well, like a low skill, right? There's not really, but it's it's hard work though, still. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but it's low skill, so anyone could do it. So we see Boaz um, protecting Ruth. We see in verse mm-hmm. eight that she he's saying, "Come and glean with the women that are in this field. It's safe for you here." In verse twenty-two, we see that he even mentions if you go somewhere else, you could get abused. Yep. This is the time of judges, so crazy <laughs> stuff is happening all the time. So yeah, so he's trying to keep her safe. He he also provides for her, right? He lets her eat with his his men. He lets her, um, he gives her extra in order to care for her. 
and he's also a redeemer. We see that in verse 20, a redeemer. So this, this uh, Naomi says when she hears about what happened with Ruth, she says he's a redeemer. A redeemer is, well, simply put, a redeemer is someone who purchases something, right, who buys back something. But in Israel, it meant a lot more than that. Yeah, and we've read about redeemers in Deuteronomy and stuff. So, Yeah, no. exactly. The no. whole idea of leveret marriage, no. where if you're, if you're married to somebody, your husband dies, you now, you now you know, can't inherit the land. That's how it was patriarchal society. So what they would do is you would, you would be redeemed by someone who was a relative, mm-hmm. and that f- the first child you had would inherit the name of the deceased and the land of the deceased mm-hmm. in order to make sure that 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 land continues and that right. that uh, offspring continues. I mean, this goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15. Yeah. The importance of the seed of the woman, the continuation of the line of Israel, uh, their hope was bound up in having children. Mm. So so that, that they made this provision, God made this provision so that they could make sure that they they could be redeemed. It, it always blows me away about, like, when I'm, when I'm reading the story and you see and, like, it, it's, it just seems like the luck of Ruth to, like, stumble into that field with Boaz that happened to be a redeemer to like have favor from that redeemer Boaz. Like she's having lunch and like, you know, wine and stuff like that. And these two women just came from nothing from rebelling against God. And all of a sudden there's like blessing. It's like, yeah, uh, who's actually in control here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason that he gives like the reason and really the main theological statement for the whole book in verse 12 of chapter Mm -hmm. two, right? He says, the Lord repay you. So this is Boaz speaking to Ruth. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Mm. So he understands this is the, really the key. So he's saying, I see what you're doing for your mother-in-law. I see your commitment to her. I see your service and love. But what I see behind all of that is that you are committed to Yahweh. You've come to take refuge under the wings of Yahweh. So her refuge eventually under Boaz is really just a picture of her refuge under Yahweh himself. So... So that's that's um, this is really in a lot of ways Ruth is reminiscent of Rahab in Judges, mm-hmm. right? Someone who's yep. a foreigner, who's despised, who takes refuge in the name of Yahweh and finds salvation. And in fact, you know, as you know, Rahab and Ruth are part of the same line, the line of David. Right. So both of them are ancestors. So they play both those women who are foreigners play a very important role in the in the line of David. So Amen. Chapter three, let's do it. Chapter three is kind of weird. Um, Basically, what happens is Naomi gives this advice to her daughter. It's kind of so in verses three and four, she gives this advice. It's kind of ambiguous. Like, I've, I've read so much about it. What's she saying? Basically, she says, Go into the man and lay, lay kind of lay with him or lay down at his feet, uncover his feet, right? Yeah, um, it's kind, that, of, kind of weird. Yeah. So, that language, uncover his feet, it could be, it, it's, it could be a euphemism for sleep with him. Right, like you know, yeah. Is Na- is Naomi telling Ruth to go sleep with this guy so you so we get the benefits or whatever? Yeah, you know? that's kind of what it sounds like. It's somewhat ambiguous, and so I can't. It's hard to tell you what she's actually telling her daughter in law to do, to be honest. But what's not ambiguous is Ruth's actions. Right. So Ruth's actions are righteous. She doesn't do anything anything sexual here, but it's definitely risky. I mean, she basically goes into a man while you know late at night, and she lays at his feet. And she asks for him to, for his hand in marriage, basically. Mm-hmm. Hey, I need you to redeem me. Right. She's she's and she's in a position where, um, yeah, she's taking a risk. I mean, this if this guy wasn't as righteous as he seemed, he could take advantage of her. He could do something bad to her, right? So she right, does. This that. is a time of judges, right? This is a time of judges again. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> lot of bad people running around. So, 
So he, she takes a risk and he accepts and he shows his, his character in that, that he treats her with dignity and respect. But the problem is that there's a closer redeemer. Right. Yeah. There's so a closer kinsman. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so in, uh, and so he has to deal with that first. And I love actually in verse 17 of this chapter, he, he it's kind of a play on the word empty. Remember Naomi had said when she came back into town, oh, yeah. she says in chapter one, verse 21, she says, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Not true. Fact check false. Yeah. But here what happens is in <laughs> verse 17, uh, Boaz gives her a ton of food to go back to her right. mother-in-law. And he says, I don't want you to go back empty handed. Ruth actually never goes back empty handed to Ruth one time. Even the, after that's the true. Naomi. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So she's always going back. With, with blessing and with fullness and provision mm. that's been given to her by God, but mm. through, through Boaz, right? right? So, so we see that God is working in Naomi's story. He hasn't abandoned her. Mm. Amen. And then in that final chapter, what we see is there's Boaz and this unnamed redeemer. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I, I really think that there's, a, there's an intentional thing being done by the author to obscure who this person is right. because this is a person who is obscure. It's a person who's not important. Right. It's a person who had a chance to do the right thing, to demonstrate God's redemption by caring for Ruth, but instead chooses the easier way. In fact, in the first verse, um, he he ca- calls this man, in, ver- in verse 1, he calls him something akin to Mr. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. It's like polonial money, something like that <laughs> in, in Hebrew. I forget the exact wording, but he's he's basically saying, hey, Mr. So-and-so, Mr. What's-Your-Face, right? That's kind of how it, you could translate it. In modern speak, so this man never gets a name, and mm-hmm. the reason is because this is a man who is seeking personal gain instead of seeing seeking personal sacrifice mm-hmm. for the kingdom of God. Yeah, he's, he's the only main character not mentioned by name, I guess. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think book. so. Yeah, yeah. So he, so yeah, in all this conversation, he never, you never get his name. So what happens is Boaz says, "Hey, do you want the field of the deceased?" And he says, "Yeah, that sounds great. I, li- I like." <laughs> Money and wealth, you know? And so he says, okay, well, if you do that, you have to marry Ruth. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, no, I'm good. So he wants personal gain, but he doesn't want personal sacrifice because taking Ruth would mean a hit to his credibility, right? Marrying right. a Moabite. Right. It would mean uh, a hit to his wealth, mm-hmm. the fact that his, his inheritance would be split up and all these things. So so he, he doesn't want to do it. So they, they do this, this sandal ceremony. This comes from Deuteronomy 25. So if, you, so if you remember, I don't know if we talked about it back then, but there's a specific ceremony for um, this kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So you take off someone's sandal, and it's a disgraceful thing to not fill that role of redeemer. Mm-hmm. But Boaz shows himself to be the redeemer that Ruth needs. And then in the epilogue, starting in verse 13, we see their marriage, and they have a son. They have a son. And then we en- it ends with Naomi taking center stage again mm-hmm. in verse 14, right? The emphasis, you know, she says, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you. Sorry, the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, Hmm. has given birth to him. I love that. I love that acknowledgement that Ruth has been more to Naomi than seven sons. Right. And she wanted to. In a society where <laughs> sons were seen as more important, yeah. right, or more central, and but Naomi's life is filled up. She has everything that she needs. She's received blessing from God, and it's in the form of this grandchild. Mm. And the grandchild, it, she doesn't even know how important this grandchild will be, right? Because as the book ends, 
we see the last word of the book is David. Is David, right? So the book ends by saying this, this son fits into the line of the great King David. Mm. He, so so this, is, this is showing God's plan in the midst of the time of Judges to bring the king that Israel needs. Mm, amen. It, isn't it incredible that <clears throat> like a book like this was written so long ago? I mean, I'm just thinking like on surface level things like men and women's roles, right? The fact that the writers in this society and this culture would pay so much attention to these two characters is it, showing that God has to be a part of this story. <laughs> Yeah. There's no reason why cultures that day would would be a part of that. Um, okay, cool. That's awesome. I think that's a great overview of the Book of Ruth. Um, again, go look at our sermons if you want more stuff. But how does how does the gospel how's the gospel seen in this? And I think some of you can already make the connections, but let's let's dig into it a little more. How's the yeah, gospel some of seen? them are, are more obvious, right? I mean, right. I think a lot of them are very much on the surface. Um, one of them is obviously the importance of the Book of Bethlehem, mm-hmm. right? The Be- Bethlehem is a is a big deal in the story, um, and it's. A big deal in the Bible, primarily because Jesus is born there. Right. And now, why is he born in Bethlehem? Because it's the city of David. Mm-hmm. The city of David, historically speaking, when you look up that phrase in the Old Testament, it always refers to Jerusalem. Hmm. Jerusalem is the city of David. Right. In fact, there's an, there's an archaeological dig there that is the some of it is the original city of David, hmm. dating back to to David's time. So why is Bethlehem called that? Well, because it goes back to David being born there and this lineage. Right. In other words, Jesus isn't just one more king in a long line. He's he's the fulfillment of what David was always supposed to be. Yeah. And he and he comes into Bethlehem in shame, mm-hmm. just like Ruth and Naomi did. Right. Right. Walking back into town, they they came with nothing, and Jesus uh, as well. His entrance was not noble. It wasn't. Grand, at least by human standards, right? You know, so he was humiliated. So we see this, this, these themes that appear in the life of of Jesus. Of course, Jesus is also the redeemer, right? He's the redeemer in in a bigger way than just redeeming from shame or poverty or loss. He's the redeemer. Uh, he purchases us from the slave market of sin, right? He buys us back from our slavery mm. to evil and to sin. Um, from being in a place of death and destruction, he he redeems us from that, right? So Jesus is our redeemer. That's a huge theme in Scripture. And of course, um, we, we saw again Jesus is the, in the line of David. This is his family, and um, and he can redeem stories like Naomi's story. Mm-hmm. Right? We see Naomi going from tragedy and loss to fullness and fulfillment. And right. this is the story of the Bible as well. Right. God in our, in our individual stories that God brings a world which is because of their own sin descended into chaos, destruction, um, death. And God redeems us from that through Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. So yeah, all of this points in big ways to Jesus. Such an awesome short book and so so filled with the gospel and God's goodness. It's awesome. Well, awesome. Thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel. That's all we got on the book of Ruth. Uh, Join us next week. It's going to be great. We're going to be starting 1 Samuel, the story of David and Saul. It's going to be great. Um, Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.